You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. Good morning to the full side of the room compared to the empty side of the room. The sheep are on the left and the goats are on the right, or flip those. Sorry, I'm quoting Jesus. Um, if, you're, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 18 today, but before we get there, we're, we've started this series last week with Noah um, talking about Mary Mad- Magdalene, and we're looking at the life of Jesus um, and just this iconic life that he lived. And there's no one that, that's lived a life on this planet, granted he was fully God as well, but had such an impact on our world and our society. And we're just looking at the different aspects of his life and the interactions that he had with different people. And last week, Noah talked about the interaction he had with Mary Magdalene and um, you know, calling her by name after, after you know, finding herself in a deep, dark place. And this week, we're going to continue and we're looking at really these interactions, these handful of interactions that Jesus had throughout his ministry and his life uh, with children, with kids. Um, so if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Matthew chapter 18. The verse will be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles, but let's read these verses together. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you, ch- you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes uh, the lowly position of a child is great in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one of such children um, welcomes in my name. Let me pray for us as we dig into these verses today. Lord Jesus, um, God, um, help us understand um, what this means to, to have the faith of a child, to, to look at, at life as a child looks at life so we can see you for your full glory of who you really are. God, shape our, and mold our hearts today as we approach your word, and um, God's spirit, and um, we ask that you just speak to our souls as we sit here today. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So it's interesting enough that, that Jesus chose uh, children as his sermon illustration. These children in, in this day weren't not, not, not necessarily just second class citizens, they are probably third class citizens. Um, they still had some kind of value, but they definitely didn't have voice. Uh, they definitely wouldn't have been uh, uh, a typical choice of a, of a rabbi to use as a sermon illustration um, to prove a point. But he chose to use these children. I think he chose to use children for a very specific reason. They carry a level of faith that, that we often lose as we get older. And we often, life beats it out of us. Uh, too often that as we go through life and find disappointment and heartache and struggle that we start to lose these aspects of what a child carries into this life when they're still relatively innocent. Relatively, because we're all born sinners, right? I mean, there's three different things that we want to look at today uh, of these different aspects of, of what a child's faith looks like and how do we imitate it in our own lives. I mean, the first one's this, if you're taking notes. See, children, they're naturally curious. They're naturally curious. Um, it's just like uh, this video we watched, right? This annoying trait that children have um, for us humans, are just like, we can't stand it when they start asking us all these questions, right? About things that seem to not really matter. 
um, or things that don't seem to be that big of a deal. It's like question after question after question. I have 15. I think it's 15. I, I didn't count this morning. I should have. Uh, I have a lot of them, so it's hard to keep track of not only how many there are, but their names. Uh, I have 15 nieces and nephews. Uh, my brother alone has six. I don't know how he did it, but he pulled it off somehow uh, and is pulling it off. Um, what their names are, couldn't tell you. We'll have to figure that out. I, I usually have them like wear name tags when they're around me so I can get them right. I'm just kidding. I know most of them are names. Um, but they have this tendency to ask these questions, right? And then they get on these like kicks where it's like question after question after question after question. They don't stop. But it's this natural curiosity that they have. They're just, they're trying to understand. They're, they're trying to know uh, what's, how this world works or how this situation works or why did that person act this way or, or why didn't you act this way? Or, you know, they're also that, that little, you know, oftentimes Holy Spirit voice for you and you're screwing up. They like to point that out as well, right? But this, this natural curiosity that they have. And it's this natural curiosity that as we grow as adults, for whatever reason, we, we lose. But even if you take out the spiritual realm of what Jesus is saying there, um, if you want to become an expert at anything, there's a natural curiosity that you have to carry. I mean, you're not going to fully understand it if you're not asking questions about it. But for whatever reason, when it comes to especially the spiritual life and walking with Jesus, we feel like questions are, are somehow evil or wrong or... Um, it shows that, that maybe I don't fully understand what I'm supposed to understand, so we just don't ask them. But what happens when we don't ask those questions is, well, we, we, we don't master these things. We don't figure out these things. Because the reality is, like, taking back, take a step, few, few steps back of, like, entering the kingdom of, of God and, and this childlike faith, like, there's a faith just to believe salvation, Right? Like, like, this is Jesus. And we look at it and say, of course, yeah, Jesus died for my sins. But if you didn't grow up in a tradition like this or you haven't heard this story, that's a crazy idea. That some man 2,000 plus years ago went to a cross and died for my sins? Like, it takes faith just to have that. It takes faith to believe that story's true. And this curiosity is birthed out of that faith. That we start to ask these questions and, and figuring out these things, but curiosity takes humility, right? Like we have to be able to be humble in spirit. This is why the New Testament writers over and over again talk about this idea of humility, practice humility, show humility to one another. Because we don't have all the answers, and that's okay. Jesus likes it that way. It creates a dependence on him to guide us through this life. We want to have this natural curiosity. See, when this curiosity dies inside of us, we stop growing as disciples of Jesus. We get stuck. And we wonder why all these other people are having these experiences, these understandings of who God is, but, but I, I feel like I'm stuck in this place. There's a good chance you stopped asking questions. You don't want to look silly. But we need to look silly. Like, it's okay to ask dumb questions, and they may be dumb questions. That's okay. But we're not going to get to the answers to those questions if we don't ask questions. And it's asking questions of your church community, but it's also asking questions to God and figuring out these things and admitting, I just don't know. I don't know how often I pray that prayer, but I pray that prayer all the time. God, I don't know. Like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do in this situation. Or God, I have no idea what direction you want me to go in this. God, I don't understand this principle of forgiveness. How do you forgive people at that level? But it's in the midst of asking those questions. It's in the midst of those, that curiosity. It's the midst of choosing to be humble and, and recognizing that we don't know everything and we're not in control that we find these growth things. 
So we find these, these next phases of, of walking with Jesus at deeper trust and deeper levels, which brings us to our second thing. Children are naturally trusting. Healthy children in healthy environments are naturally trusting. Like they just trust their parents because why? They're their parents. They're in charge. And they just naturally do what they say some or most of the time. But they don't question that that's the, this is how you get away with, with parents saying, you know, don't cross your eyes. Your eyes are going to go cross, cross, you know, crossways and stay that way forever. It's because, oh, that must be true. An adult just told me that. And we all know, no, that's silly and dumb. It doesn't happen. Or at least we haven't tried it long enough that we've seen it happen. But it's this naturally trusting posture or attitude uh, that they have that we should imitate with God. That we should be trusting of God. You know, we oftentimes call Jesus, we call him our Lord and our Savior. Lord means he's in control. Lord means he's top dog. Lord means his way comes before my ways. But we often don't live life that way. We we look at the circumstances of life and and all the things that are happening. We're like, God, I know this is what you want me to do, but I can't do it this way. Like, look at what's going on. I don't think you fully understand. We take the reins back and be like, God, this is too much for you to handle. I'm going to take care of it myself. We might not say it that way, but it's definitely our actions. There's a level of trusting God, of letting him be in control, that his ways are are better than my ways, and choosing to believe that to be true. And just what may feel naive or blind, step into it. Because I trust that God has it. I trust that he's in control. I trust that he's going to give good gifts to his children. I trust that he's going to provide. I trust that he's going to encourage I trust that he's going to challenge me and and convict me and get me back on track when I get off track. But I have to follow his lead. That's what children do naturally well. They follow people's lead. And it should be the same uh, posture that we take as Christians. We should follow Jesus' lead. Like this This is the Christian life. Doing more of what Jesus wants and less of what I want. Doing more of what Jesus has put in front of me and less of what I want to do and making my own agenda. This comes back to our own growth. We talk about this all the time here at Hill City. That it's not our job to sanctify ourselves. Right? It's not our job to become holy like Jesus, to be changed by Jesus. That's Jesus' job. Get out of the way. Let him lead it. But for whatever reason, as Christians, we're, we're totally good with Jesus being enough for my salvation. But the second I find salvation, I grab everything again. It's, it's my job to get rid of all this sin. It's my job to fix everything about my life. And then we get overwhelmed and burnt out. The enemy knows this. This is why he lets you do it. But when we let go, we're like, God, you're in control of this. God, I'm looking at this laundry list of sins that I commit on a regular basis. And I don't know how you're going to overcome them, but I'm going to trust that you're going to deal with them in the order that you want to deal with them. Now, don't get me wrong. You're an active participant. Right? There's going to be things that Jesus is going to ask you to do and the things that Jesus not, is going to ask you not to do. There's going to be things that Jesus wants to talk through more in a deeper level of, of vulnerability and trust so you can get to the root of what these issues actually are. But he leads that process. He's in charge. But that's a trusting relationship. That's me saying, God, your way is better than, than my way. That I have, to do, I have to do this life the way that you want me to do it. I have to do it in relationship with you, letting you lead and guide me and direct my path and stop trying to take everything back and control it all. 
And this is how the enemy works. He gets a little sly, gives you enough truth to believe it, and then he gets you stuck in that place. Right? You get this dream or this idea, and you're like, well, I have to do this right now in this moment. I have to do it exactly this way, or Jesus isn't going to bless it. You're like, my God is that small that he can't bless these things? If I get off path, my Jesus is so small he can't get me back on path? That's crazy talk. My God's bigger than that. He's, he's worthy to be trusted. And that's that childlike faith that we want to reproduce in ourselves. And don't get me wrong, I'm not standing up here like I'm an expert. I'm not. Jesus told me just three weeks ago, Josh, trust me. And you're like, but, but God, you don't understand. I know you want me to trust you, and sure, theoretically, God, I trust you, but my actions don't show it. I still choose worry and anxiety and, and fear when, when hard things show up in life, and you're like, I don't know how to deal with this, so God, you must not be in this. And he's, just trust me. Do I not have you? Do I not see what's before you? Do I not love you? Does my word not say that God is going to give good gifts to those who love him? That even evil people give good gifts to their children? How much greater are the gifts that I'm going to give you? Not that we're chasing after prosperity or something like that, but like God has a lot to give you in terms of character development, the ability to handle harder things in life, the ability to have faith even when it doesn't make sense. But it's that trusting relationship that has to be formed. It's taking on this faith of a child. And the last thing is this. Children are natural dreamers. Children are natural dreamers. You ask a child what they want to be when they grow up, they're going to tell you I want to be a police officer, a firefighter, or a dinosaur, or, or a tiger. Right? There, there's no limits on what they could be because that's just what a child naturally is. They dream, big dreams. And I think this is the piece of our faith that we often miss out on and lose on. We, we don't get to see the miraculous. We don't get to see God show up in, in huge ways because we just don't dream these types of dreams anymore. We don't pray these types of dreams anymore. We feel like God may have given us a dream, but we pray that dream for a few weeks instead of decades and years because that's the work that God wanted to do. It's going to take decades and years. Or there may be dreams that God's planting in your heart that it's not you that's going to fulfill. It's going to be your children or your grandchildren, but it had to start with you to get to that place. We have to remember that God's timeline is so much grander than our own. But we all feel like it's got to happen now. It's got to happen in this moment. And if it doesn't, then that means the dream's not there. Let's just kill off the dream. Or you ask God to intervene in a situation. He didn't intervene in the way that you thought he was going to intervene. So... I'm not going to dream like that anymore. I don't want to be disappointed. But then we sit back and we wonder why we don't see God's hand at work. We don't see God moving in big and dramatic ways. You, you go through the Gospels, the life and story of Jesus, the first four books of what we call the New Testament. And over and over again, we see Jesus healing the sick, raising the dead, doing miraculous things. And then he goes on to say that you are going to do even greater things than I. What? I haven't raised the dead or healed the sick. Probably because my dreams, my faith is too small. That I've taken God and I've made him safe and I put him in this nice little box that I can keep on my shelf and look at from time to time and say, man, Jesus, you're such a good God. Make sure you stay up there. Don't change my life too much. 
But there's this work that He wants to do inside of you. There's this faith that He wants to increase in you. That we get to see the miraculous. That we get to see His hand at work in in crazy ways. That we get to see His provision. That we get to see Him and bring people that, that we've been praying for for years and years come to know Him as their Lord and Savior. It's these stories of transformation that we get to be a part of if we just hold on to the dream. Now, I'm not saying pray the selfish dreams of like, God, you know, give me this or give me that. It's all about me, 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 me. James warns us against that. The writer of the book of James tells us you don't get what you want because you ask in selfishness for the wrong motives, right? But when we pray kingdom dreams, I want to see greater things around me. God, I want to have opportunities to speak into people's life and be able to stand back and say, God, where did those words come from? I want to be able to see my neighborhoods transformed and this neighborhood around us transformed with the gospel. To see these things, we have to dream big dreams. We have to believe that God is in the midst of those things and He's going to bring those things to fruition. Maybe not exactly how we dreamed them. We're still human. But in the vastness of them, He's definitely going to bring them in the way that He sees fit. But don't stop dreaming dreams. Even when everyone around you is like, that's crazy, that's stupid. That's the craziest thing that I've ever heard. Why would you want to ask God for that? God's not in that, right? We've all heard these things. But if you feel like God gave the dream, keep asking for it. Right? Jesus tells us you don't get what you don't get what you need because you're not asking for it. Ask him for it. And don't stop. Like I'm in the season of my life right now where he's, he's teaching me to trust and he's teaching me to be persistent in my prayers. I'm not a persistent prayer. I believed the lie for the longest time that it was like, well, God knows what's going on. Why do I need to talk about all these things all the time? He, he's got this handled. But over and over again, not just Jesus, but the, the, the New Testament writers talk of this idea, you have to keep praying for these things over and over again. And it builds your faith. And it's hard because you don't see it right away. And you have to wait on God. And His timing's different than our timing. But we keep the faith. We keep believing that this is going to be. Because we feel like God gave it. We want to dream big dreams. Kids are naturally curious. Don't lose your curiosity. Try to gain your curiosity back. Don't, don't mind looking stupid. Don't mind looking like you don't know uh, what you think you're supposed to know. You're not going to know it until you ask. Keep increasing your trust. Look for ways to create dependence on God and choose to trust Him even when it doesn't make sense. And don't let those dreams die. Stay persistent in your prayers. And I'll leave you with with this question. If we take on the faith of a child, what could be? What could be? What are we not seeing today in our lives and the lives of those that we have impact with that we could be seeing if we just kept the faith of a child? Let me pray for you. Father God, God, we love you. God, we're blown away. God, we're just blown away by you, by how much you love us. God, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us so we can experience relationship with you. God, we're blown away by the fact that you want to talk with us and commune with us and have conversations with us. And you're the God of the universe. You're the God that spoke this world into existence with just your voice. 
God, life is a beatdown at times. And the enemy knows how to get us off track and what lies we're going to believe. And God, we miss out on so much life that you have for us. Jesus, we know that you've told us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but that you have come to give life and give it to the full. God, we want the full life. We want to experience hope in the darkest of places. And God, we want to be tools of you to bring hope to those dark places. But God, we know that it it takes some curiosity to grow in relationship with you. To not believe we know everything, but choose to ask the questions, to be curious, to fully understand the things you're trying to reveal to us about who we are and who you are and who you're creating us to be. God, and in terms of trusting you, God, I feel like this is the lifelong journey of of the Christian, is learning how to trust you deeper. And God, we, we trust you with the little things and we can trust you with those things. God, we trust you with even bigger things and we can trust you with even bigger things. And God, I don't know what you have in store for us, you know, 10 years from now or 20 years from now, but if we choose to trust you with the little things, we're going to be blown away by what you do then. And God, give us big dreams. Not dreams to benefit us, but dreams to benefit those around us with your gospel and your truth. God, give us dreams that give us the opportunity to love people at a deep level, to know them inside and out, so we can introduce them to you. God, don't let the lies of the enemy or or the lies of our, our friends or this world that are telling us that you're not in something, that you can't do it or you won't do it. God, we want to be people that believe you will and you are. Maybe not in this lifetime, but we're the groundwork for the next generation or the next generation. And we get to play a piece in that story. God, give us the faith of a child. Give us this faith that we get to inherit the kingdom of heaven with. Not just heaven for the next life, but the kingdom, your kingdom, in this life. See it come to fruition through your church. We love you, Lord Jesus. And we pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church.